On this episode of Talk Truth, I am joined by Jeff Eskridge, the director of graphic arts of this show, Talk Truth. I am excited for this episode, probably more than any that we have recorded thus far. Uh, I I tell you, I am excited about this. I'm nervous, too, um, because of uh, the weight of stuff that we're going to be talking about. But um, I am excited to be here today. Thank you uh, for letting me sit in uh, with you on this. Yeah. Uh, and, and I have to say uh, right from the start, um, I, I wanted to share a few things. I've got a story. Um, uh, I've got a warning. Uh, actually, I've got a warning for a story, a good news, bad news, conversation, uh, and then a challenge. So I've got a lot of stuff uh, that I want to share. I know you do, too. Uh, but are you ready to get going on this? I am ready. All right. All right. And I hope our listeners are too. Welcome to Talk Truth, a McGregor podcast where we dive into scripture, gain insight from community, and biblically answer life questions. Talk Truth will answer life questions submitted by our listeners every other week. If you have a question for Talk Truth, you can submit your questions on our website. I'm your host, Chloe Weimer. Let's open the word, gather together, and talk some truth. Well, the stuff that we are going to cover is honestly going to make you feel probably very uncomfortable, and it should, because it's the gospel. You may have never heard the gospel presented like this before, and so I suggest that if you are distracted in any way, that you pull over or pause and come back to this. But definitely come back to this, because you want to hear it. Yeah, I'm intrigued. (laughs) Yeah, so there is an evangelical method called Way of the Master, and our church actually has a rotating seasonal class on it that I have done couple years, I did a couple years back. Mm -hmm. Um, And the way the teacher in the video, Ray Comfort, approaches people is through uh, spiritual, deep life questions. Um, Some of them are like, what do you think when someone dies? Or do you have a bucket list? Or if you were to die tomorrow, where would you go? Right. And I think all of those questions uh, actually make us pause for a minute and maybe think about Yeah, I kind of have thought about those questions uh, before, Uh, you know, especially that one. I love that question. What do you think happens after somebody dies? Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think that gets us started thinking. And uh, actually, you know, I I said that um, we had a little bit of a warning, uh, but I do have a story uh, that I wanted to share. And I think the story um, will help us get that framework, get us thinking in the direction of what we're going to be talking about. So who is Jesus? Uh, talking about the gospel explained uh, for this episode. So let me just share this quick story. And actually, um, I'm, g- I'm going to be sharing this uh, with or, or for the listeners. Um, I want you to listen to uh, how this story unfolds. Um, and really, it's just a short story. It's about a small island nation uh, that has a king, and he's a very strong and very um, powerful king, but he's very benevolent uh, to uh, everyone that lives there. And the people love him. You know, they respect him. They, they know that the king is there and the king is going to take care of him. The king actually um, has done a lot of great things to take care of the people. And one of the things that he did was he built this storehouse for the people so that they can collect food throughout the year, you know, so that everybody would have uh, something to eat. Um, but the king had one rule do not steal 
from the storehouse. If you do, the punishment is death. Well, the, it wasn't some time or some time had passed from that uh, storehouse being built. The king's command had gone out that there was uh, uh, one day a commotion that started in the village and the people started talking and the news was starting to spread and it actually uh, got to the king's ears. Someone had actually stolen from the storehouse. This was amazing. Somebody that would actually break the king's command, right? Well, the king gave orders uh, to go and find this person immediately and to bring that person to the king. While the people went out, they were looking everywhere, and suddenly they, they found the man. Uh, they grabbed him. He, he was like trying to hide. He was covering his face. He was uh, uh, just scared. He was ashamed that he got caught. Uh, that uh, he was the one that stole. So they, they drugged the guy uh, to the town square. The, the king came out uh, and met them. And the king said, go get the strong man because I want the strong man to bind him to the whipping pole, wrap his arms around it, uh, and we are going to administer justice. The punishment is death. And so he was going to be whipped to death. The king turned to the man and said, show your face. The man was embarrassed. He was trembling. He slowly removed the hands from his face. And when his eyes met the king's eyes, the king's heart just stopped. His countenance fell. The man was his son. The people were in awe of everything that was happening. What was the king going to do? People were asking, is the king just going to let him go? I mean, this is the king's son. Is he just going to forget about this? He couldn't do that because he was a just king. He couldn't just let him go. What was he going to do? About that time, the strong man came through the crowd, grabbed the young man, bound his arms to the pole, ripped his shirt off his back. The strong man grabbed his whip, when tightly held it in his hand. He raised his arm to initiate that first blow, and then the king said, stop. Well, that's when everybody went quiet. The, the crowd there, they were all looking to see what was going to go on. Was the king just going to let him go now? The king did something shocking. He stepped out, went over to his son, untied him from the pole, looked at his son and says, I'm doing this for you because I love you. The king then took off his robe, lowered his shirt, and then the king wrapped his arms around that pole hmm. and then turned to the strong man and said, begin. Now, this is not a perfect analogy, you know, by any means. But we see this picture in this story of where justice and mercy intersect. And again, I think this is where this story kind of helps put that framework together for what we're going to be talking about next. Definitely. And I think that a framework is so important. And I realized that when I did a little pretest of my students on what the gospel is um, about 
a year ago, I came across the book, What is the Gospel by Greg Gilbert. If mm-hmm. you're watching on YouTube, by the way, if you didn't know that Talk Truth has a YouTube channel, you can look it up or all McGregor podcasting <laughs> channels do. <laughs> but if you're watching on YouTube, I have the book here. Um, and it's just this compact little book that kind of, I mean, it very concisely but deeply goes through the gospel. Some of the best teachers are the ones that can take really deep concepts Mm -hmm. and make them um, comprehensible at all ages. And I think that's, it's so cool. Um, But it goes through basically what Romans four is, and it's the systematic um, theology of God's gospel. (laughs) Um, And I, so to pre-test my students, I asked them, how they would share the gospel. I gave them a hypothetical scenario and I'm just going to read a couple of what a couple of the answers of what they said. Mm-hmm. Someone said, God can save you and he's always going to be there when nobody else is. God will change the whole way you think about life and what life is or the purpose or the purpose you are on this planet for. Um, the next one says, I would explain the good news to my friend by saying that it is important to know that God loves her. I think it's important for her to know this because it's true. If you repent, you will be forgiven. And those are, that's just a couple of them. But I, when I, when I read them, I was like, these are true, but they're missing some very major points. Mm -hmm. And my students are very bright, but a lot of them do grow up in the church and they just don't, they, they don't know the format of like, okay, if I'm in that share the gospel mode, what do I, what are the important pieces that I share? And this book goes through, goes through them. It's God, man, Christ response. So if you think about it like that, it's kind of bullet points of things that you need to hit on. And we, Jeff and I are going to break down um, what is underneath the important parts underneath each of those bullet points, God, man, Christ response. Yeah, for sure. And I think, um, I know for me, uh, I've always had a hard time articulating what the mm-hmm. gospel is. Definitely. And, and I've needed some, uh, I don't need a script, but I need need a framework you know, yes. uh, of uh, what what do I need to um, to talk about? You know, what's, what's important? And just like you said in, in that book, uh, God, man, Christ response, uh, that gives me that framework uh, that I want to make sure that I share the full gospel, mm-hmm. uh, you know, with somebody. Um, and I actually uh, wanted to take a few moments uh, and share the gospel right here on this episode for everyone that's listening. And if you remember, you know, I said uh, one of the things right at the beginning is that I've got a good news, bad news uh, little conversation that I, that I wanted to have. Um, and so I just wanted to take a few moments and just share what that good news, bad news conversation is. So for everyone that's listening, I want you to think uh, what the gospel means. The gospel just means simply good news. But if there's good news, there's got to be bad news. Um, and so I want to have everyone that's listening just to take a few moments listen to some of these questions that I'm going to ask. And I'm actually going to be speaking to your conscience. It's that that conscience is that inside person. You know, sometimes it's that smoke alarm that goes off. Uh, we tried to ignore, but it speaks to us. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I, I want to talk to your conscience uh, for just a moment. So here's, here's what I'm going to ask you. I'm going to ask you uh, some questions of 
based upon, actually, God's moral law. So if I ask you, you know, are you a good person? I think we all would probably, you know, give ourselves high marks. Yeah, I'm a good person, but are you morally good? Okay. So I want to ask those kinds of questions, not based upon my standard of good, but on God's standard of good. So here's, here's the first question. Um, would you consider yourself to be a good person? Let's just ask that right from the start, which we kind of did. Um, how would you grade yourself? Okay. Now I'm going to bring in the Ten Commandments, and I'm going to hold these, hold these Ten Commandments up just like a mirror uh, for your conscience to talk to you about, and you can see yourself in God's light Okay, through these Ten Commandments. So first commandment, number nine. Uh, don't tell a lie. How many lies have you told in your entire life? You know, think of that number. So uh, if you tell a lie, what does that make you? It makes you a liar. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to slowly turn up the, uh, the volume or the heat a little bit as we go. Another commandment, thou shalt not steal. Have you ever stolen anything? You know, if you, take, if you steal something that's not yours, then that makes you a thief. What about blasphemy, taking God's name in vain? Have you ever used God's name as a curse word? You know, would you ever use your mother's name as a curse word? Probably not. But here you are, you're taking God's holy name, dragging it through the mud, using it as a curse word to show disgust. And that's called blasphemy. And in the Old Testament, that blasphemy was punishable by death. That's how serious it is in God's eyes. Here's another commandment. This one is a tough one. Jesus said, if you look at a woman with lust, that you committed adultery in your heart. Have you ever looked with lust? Now, we're sitting behind a microphone. I can't hear the responses. I don't know what your conscience is saying. You do, but being honest before God uh, and listening to your conscience, those answers that your conscience was saying, Think about this. If you said yes to all of those, what does that mean? Just a quick recap, and I'm not judging you, but by the mission of your conscience, it could be that you're a liar, you're a thief, a blasphemer, and an adulterer at heart. So there's four out of the Ten Commandments. There's six more, but we're going to stop there, okay? Think about what that means. If you were to die today and God were to judge you by those commandments, would you be innocent or guilty? Well, if you were found guilty, would that be heaven or hell? God's word says this, um, that all have sinned. So what does that mean? That means me, I'm right there. I've broken those commandments. You, because the word all means all, right? All have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. There's another verse that says all liars are going to have their part in the lake of fire. No thief, no fornicator, no adulterer, uh, no um, uh, blasphemer is going to enter the kingdom of heaven. So thinking about that, and again, being honest before God, not trying to squirm out of anything, you know, trying to justify yourself, but just being honest before God. If God finds you guilty, you died today, today you would be starting hell for all of eternity. Mm -hmm. So my question to you is, does that concern you? Now, I know this is really heavy stuff, 
uh, where is the gospel in all of this? Where's that good news? In order for us to understand the good news, we have to understand the bad news. This is where we are. This is where we are before God. Sinful and his wrath is upon us. Okay, so what's the good news? God doesn't leave us helpless. God has actually done something incredible for guilty sinners like me, for guilty sinners like you. So here's what God did. Jesus Christ came to earth and lived a perfect life, one that I couldn't live, one that you couldn't live. He went to the cross as a volunteer, not as a victim. He died on the cross and rose three days later. There was actually a legal transaction that happened whenever Christ died on the cross. Probably never thought about it like that. Probably never understood why exactly did Jesus die on the cross. Mm -hmm. But look at it like this. Um, when Jesus died on the cross, that transaction that happened is just like you going into a court of law. The evidence is there. Um, it's, 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 it's very obvious that you are guilty, and the judge is ready to uh, pass his sentence. Um, you can either pay the fine or you know, he's going to put you away. But somebody steps into that courtroom and says, Judge, I know Jeff, I know Chloe, uh, here, I'm going to pay the fine on their behalf. The judge can legally dismiss your case because the law has been satisfied. That's what Jesus Christ did on the cross. Jesus Christ took the punishment, paid the fine on our behalf so God can legally dismiss our case. And he rose on the third day, defeating death and sin. That's the gospel message uh, that we uh, wanted to make sure that we articulated, you know, uh, in this episode uh, to you, to challenge you to listen to your conscience, to understand what what Christ did for you. He demonstrated His love for us. He lavished His love for us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So then it comes down to what are we going to do with all of that, mm -hmm. right? Well, the Bible is all about that gospel message. Mm -hmm. And so that's where we turn to find out what we do with all of that. But that's part of what we do, what our response is, is really at the end kind of of what this next part of the conversation is. So we are now going to go through the format that I was talking about before of God, man, Christ response. That was a great uh, presentation of the gospel that you just gave. Um, and I heard those bullets kind of... <laughs> that I was talking about represented in the things that you said, but we want to flesh out everything that he talked about. Mm -hmm. And we are going to start with the first part, God. Uh, but to start with God, we have to go all the way to the beginning of the Bible, the first verse, Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And what's important is that if we get that part wrong, we completely misunderstand who we are in reference to him and miss the entire part of the rest of the gospel. This is the foundational piece. Um, and it's important to also understand that God is the creator so that we mm -hmm. can understand um, even just who, how we fit into the story with, with Adam and Eve. Um, if we understand that he created the world to be good and that sin entered, it was more of an intruder to God's good creation, then 
the rest of it is all going to make a little bit more sense. Um, now, going back to bo- back to the book, Greg Gilbert gives an illustration of the unscrupulous janitor. Um, so I used to work at housekeeping when I was in housekeeping. Really? Yeah. And when I was in my undergrad, I did it for about a year and a half and I learned a lot of life lessons. And I remember that there was this temptation to just like turn a blind eye to things that I didn't want to deal with, sure. <laughs> especially if it were in a restroom that I, yeah, mm. but, um, the unscrupulous janitor illustration that he gives talks about this janitor who just doesn't make the ethical decision. He Mm. sees something that's not in its place, dirt, for instance, and instead of sweeping it up, he sweeps it under the rug and turns a blind eye to it. And um, when we see God as our creator, then we know that he has, since he has created us, he has the right to judge us and fix us to where he uh, situate situate us to where he wants us to be in accordance with his will. And so since he's not a God who turns a blind eye to our sin, um, we also have to understand what our sin is. Um, and we'll get to that more of that later, but to understand our sin, we have to understand his holiness Mm. because that's the standard by which he judges us. And a lot of people have, um, a, a very, uh, just a big misunderstanding of the word holy because it's used in a lot of different contexts. Mm-hmm. Um, but the word derives from the Bible and it's because it defines who God is. It's it's who he is in his fullness. The word holy is loaded. We can't really even fully wrap our minds around it because we can't understand God's perfection. Uh, but we do know that we are called to it. First Peter one fourteen says, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. And we also see that in Isaiah 6. You want to cover that? Yeah. yeah. I, I love that you brought up holiness uh, because that is the pinnacle of who God is. And it's, yeah, it is something for us that we don't fully understand because we're not we're not holy, mm-hmm. but Christ is. And Isaiah 6, I think, is one of those um, chapters in God's Word that really crystallizes uh, this moment that Isaiah is caught up, and he's standing before God, and he is now intersecting with God's holiness. And who was Isaiah? Isaiah was one of the Old Testament prophets and probably the most righteous man on earth at that time. Mm-hmm. You know, He was... He was following God. He was trusting God. He was doing. Uh, he was the mouthpiece of God. That's what a that's what a prophet is. He was the mouthpiece of God, um, and so he was doing all of the right things. But when he comes in contact with God's holiness, what does he say? Woe is me! I am an unclean man, or I have unclean lips. You know, I am undone. And in that moment. Isaiah is seeing himself as God sees him, that he's not perfect. God is perfect. And in this, in this little phrase that he says, you know, like I said, uh, the, a prophet is, is, is God's mouthpiece. And a prophet would either speak um, judgment or speak blessing. And Isaiah says, woe is me. He's actually condemning himself here. He's passing judgment on himself 
because he knows that he is a man of unclean lips. He sees it, and he says, I'm undone. And I think of this, this, uh, this picture of this rope. Um, you know, uh, you've seen a braided rope, and you, uh, you know, at the end it starts to fray and come, mm-hmm. come apart. And that's, that's kind of the picture that I see that Isaiah is like, I'm just coming undone before God's holiness. When we, when we see ourselves in that holiness of God, and we get that picture when we look at the Ten Commandments, that mirror of God's standard, His holiness, yeah, that's when we see ourselves in His holy light, probably for the first time. Mm-hmm. So there's three things really that we should be focusing on um, when we are sharing the gospel, if you're mm-hmm. thinking of that bullet point. This is for the Christian who needs to better articulate the gospel, (laughs) myself included, because we can all always improve. Um, But God, and then underneath that, we have the fact that he's our creator. Mm -hmm. And because he is our creator, he then has the right to judge us. Mm -hmm. And the standard by which he judges us is his holiness. And so um, we need to wrap also our minds around part of, there's two things to know about holiness. Holiness is who God is. He's morally pure, he's ethically righteous, and it also means that he's transcendent. He is righteous and he's unique and separate from us humans. And so because of that, he's independent and he exists as he is, he, which really means his name, I am. Right, right. He is, he is separate. That's what holiness is, that separation, different. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, and again, like I said, we see that in the Ten Commandments. Um, and, I, and I think you mentioned this right at the beginning of this section of you know, who God is. And I think it's easy for us, and I think we're more comfortable talking about, yeah, God is love, and he's forgiving, and he's merciful. But we need to also make sure that we understand his justice and his wrath. Uh, we can't separate uh, all of that because uh, that is who he is. That's the total picture of who God is. So yes, while he is loving and he's forgiving, he's also wrathful. He has to be just in everything he is because he is just. He's the one that defines what love is. He's the one that defines what justice is. Yes, and that points us directly to the next crucial question in our little bullet point Mm -hmm. thing we got going on here. Are we in trouble and why? I'm just gonna jump to exactly what God says about mankind and the nature that we are born with. Mm -hmm. Um, In Romans 3 verse 10, it says, as it is written, there is no one righteous, no, not even one. There is no one who understands, there is no one who seeks God. All have turned away, together they have become useless. There is no one who does good. There is not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They deceive with their tongues. Viper's venom is under their lips. Their mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and wretchedness are in their paths. And the path of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Yeah, and again, looking, having, having that mirror of the Ten Commandments, uh, and you know, we just went through some of those questions uh, to kind of um, have us take a closer look. 
that mirror shows us what's going on inside of us. And it actually comes down to a matter of the heart. You know, um, that's where sin originates. Uh, we have that, that inside desire to sin. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, talking about God, talking about man, uh, and seeing ourselves in light of God's word, God's standard, those Ten Commandments, we actually now get to see who exactly is man, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, that mirror um, illustration is really awesome. Uh, I heard something not too long ago that says, I'm going to try not to mess it up. It's kind of a tongue twister, but you are not a sinner because you sin, but you sin because you are a sinner. And it's natural for us. Yes. It's easy. It, it comes easy to us. Yeah. I had a plant in my classroom last year and this plant, um, acquired a bunch of gnats somehow. And I was looking around my classroom and my kids were like hitting the air and I was like, what's going on? They said that we're they're clap- we're clapping for you. Yeah. <laughs> and I took the plant home and I saw that the leaves were just looking kind of nasty. And so I repotted mm-hmm. it and I realized then that the roots were looking really bad. Uh, but after repotting it and giving it water, keeping it outside, um, that was just, that, that was the issue. It was, it was the problem at the root. And, and that's what's important to understand about our sin nature. Sometimes we look at the symptoms of sin in our lives. Mm-hmm. Maybe we look at um, what we tend to sin like. If you struggle with swearing or uh, just flippantly saying God's name in, in vain, um, if it's sexual impurity, whatever it is, we've all had sin struggles. Um, but the fact of the matter is those 10 commandment type sins, yes, they are, God has every right to deal with those, but our sin is more than these like isolated events that have happened in our past or maybe even in our present. Our sin, the bigger deal is the condition of our heart. Yes, yeah. And, and again, one more time, those Ten Commandments actually draw back the curtains and let God's light come in. Mm-hmm. We see sin, uh, whenever we look at those commandments, uh, how sinful sin really is. And it is that, uh, that natural desire that we have in us. So, you know, uh, I mentioned this earlier that all have sinned. So that's where we are. Mm-hmm. That, that's man. Um, but Romans 6.23 says, the wages of sin is death. And if you think about what that means, our wages is our paycheck. We have actually worked and earned our paycheck. And that paycheck, the wages, is death. So that means that, yes, we deserve God's judgment, that death, um, not only physical death, but that separation, that uh, punishment, God's jail for all of eternity. It's, it's hell. It's something that we don't like to say, mm-hmm. but we have to because this is where man is headed. Yeah, it's definitely not easy to say. No, it's not popular. It's not fun. Mm-hmm. It's not trendy. Um, it's easy to say God loves you and yeah, yeah, He's for you, and those things are true. True, but. Again, going back, we have to understand the bad news before we get to the good news. Yeah. So what is God's solution to the problem of our sin? Right. 
it's Jesus Christ. Um, you can't say that enough. Um, love saying that it is Jesus. And think about what God has done for us. Um, we are just, it's actually coming up faster than we realize, but Christmas is coming. Um, uh, one of my favorite uh, verses uh, or chapters is Luke chapter 2, and that's, that's the all-time Christmas you know, chapter that we hear every Christmas. Um, and the angels are proclaiming to the shepherds on the hillside um, that Jesus Christ is, has been born. But they actually say something really fascinating. And I, we've probably run over this and not really think about it too much. But they say this, you know, for unto you born in this, this day in the city of David, a savior has been born. And when I think that we run over that title kind of quickly and not really think about what does a savior mean? And that's kind of an odd title to give a baby, mm-hmm. right? But a savior means that uh, somebody's in trouble, and somebody needs to be saved. Okay, <laughs> kind of basic there. But think of it Think of it like this. If you saw somebody drowning in a pool, you wouldn't just go over to uh, the side of the pool and just say, hey, you, get out of there. Get your act together, clean up, try harder, mm-hmm. fix it yourself. No, that person is drowning. They can't. They, they don't have any way to help themselves. And the Bible says that's where we are. Mm-hmm. We're drowning in our sins. We are dead in our trespasses. We can't help ourselves. We need somebody from the outside to come in and save us. Yeah. So and, Jesus is our Savior. Yeah, and He's always been plan A. Yes. And I think that's a good uh, apologetic for the fact that He's always been plan A. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Savior from the beginning of of his life. Um, All the way back in Genesis, right? Yeah, really. God, gave, God gave the promise to Adam and Eve after they sinned. Um, the, the story of Jesus, you know, from Genesis to Revelation, you know, it started back in the garden. God gave that promise from the foundation of the world, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, Jesus Christ has always been God's rescue plan. Yeah, and... He has to, he had to have been fully God and fully man. Mm-hmm. That's a huge part of understanding why he is our perfect savior. He had to be fully God because he had to be divine. He, he couldn't have sin nature like the rest of us. He had to be without blemish. Um, and he had to be fully, oh, he also had to be fully God so that he could raise from the dead and, and defeat death or else whoop de do He was a, just another, another sacrifice that didn't do anything for eternity. Right. Uh, we see uh, those pictures in the Old Testament of the, sacrifice, the sacrificial system mm-hmm. of that uh, perfect, you know, uh, unblemished lamb, you know, being the sacrifice. And that's who Jesus was. You know, John uh, says, you know, behold, the lamb of God uh, that takes away the sins of the world. That's who Jesus was. And, you know, I, I love how R.C. Sproul even says, you know, capturing that, um, that picture of the God-man, truly God and truly man mm-hmm. at the same time. And again, we can go into uh, a little bit more and it probably would, would mess it up and I would need somebody like Pastor Russell to come clean it up. But there's a lot to uh, that incarnation of Christ, God coming uh, in flesh that dwelt among us. 
um, that is so important because by the uh, sin of one man, we need another man to make that payment. And so Jesus Christ coming in the flesh is able to make that payment on our behalf. Yeah. And Christ lived um, a perfect life that we could not live. He went to mm-hmm. the cross as a volunteer and not as a victim. That's another big point to to understand. He took our sins. And then the best part is he rose three days later, defeating sin and death. Mm-hmm. So there is hope at the light of the end of the tunnel. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like, you know, do you remember that old commercial of like, how many licks does it take to get to you know, mm-hmm. the center of a tissue roll? You have to get through the hard stuff to get to the good stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and again, going through the gospel, understanding the bad news before we can fully appreciate what the good news is. So Jesus coming to earth, uh, lived that perfect life, which is extremely important because Jesus died on the cross he paid for our sin, so our sin debt is then wiped to zero. Mm-hmm. But the life that he lived, he lived that perfect life that I couldn't live. His perfect life, his righteousness, is now imputed. That's a that's a big Bible term. Yeah. You know? <laughs> uh, that means that all of his righteousness has now been dumped into my account. I was at zero because you know his his work on the cross you know, paid that debt of sin, but now his righteousness is now applied. And so that's amazing to think about, but that was the importance of his living and honoring and keeping all of those commandments um, while he was here on earth. That is now applied to me. Yeah. And so now the question is, what do we do with this? Yes. How do we respond? Yeah. That's a... that's always uh, a question that um, uh, brings everything you know, to that point. Mm-hmm. Now that we fully understand who God is, now we understand who man is, who we are. Now we understand who Christ is. What are we going to do with it? And really, we're held accountable, especially now that you have heard, you're held accountable regardless or not if you've heard the good news. Mm-hmm. There's still bad news or good news at the end of the day. But especially now that you have heard it, what do you do? And the Bible makes it very clear. So that's where we go. And mm-hmm. Romans 3.22, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there is no distinction. First Peter 3.18, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who, oh wait, I just read the same thing. <laughs> for, I think I read First Peter three eighteen twice. Um, for all who believe, for there is no distinction. And so, God declares us righteous when we put our faith in Him. Now, what does faith mean? Because the world has also tainted the definition of this. We talk about semantics a lot on Talk Truth, and I think the world. This is not. This is a Chloe assumption. But when I have heard people use the word faith, um, it's kind of just believing in in something that they can't see. But according to the Bible, it's so much more than that. It's putting your reliance on God for the atonement of, of your sins, for what he did through Jesus and what that means for you. You are relying on God. You realize that nothing that you can do can earn you salvation. Mm-hmm. 
um, but it's completely trusting in Jesus Christ as your savior. So that's the first word. And then were you going to say something? Yeah. I'm uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, and then the second word is repentance, but we can get to that in a second. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, I'll tell you what, uh, why, don't, why don't we talk about repentance? Because repentance and faith uh, go hand in hand. They're, they're like two sides of the same coin, mm. right? Um, in, order to, in order to act on that faith, we actually need to also take that first step of repentance. Um, and repentance, uh, you know, uh, tells us that... Our, uh, repentance is that moment where we say um, we're sorry, but we recognize uh, what we have done, mm-hmm. right? Uh, faith is that fully trusting, you know, in Jesus Christ. Um, when we look at faith, we can look at it as like a parachute. You know, if if I asked you, you know, on a scale of one to ten. If you, if we were on a plane going down and you had a parachute on, and I, and I said to you, um, "Do you have your parachute fully on? Are you ready to make this jump on a scale of one to ten? And you said, eh, "I'm kind of a six right now, I think." You know, um, I would call that into question. Like, are you ready to jump out of a plane with like a six? Yeah, I kind of have the parachute on. Mm-hmm. No faith is fully putting your trust in your whole self, just like wearing a parachute. You're trusting your whole self with that parachute. That's faith, that's that trusting in action, right? Um, Repentance, um, again, is that first step that we need to look at as well, and that is our recognizing what we have done and uh, recognizing who we have offended. And then um, having a broken heart over that. Yeah. And just turning from your sin. Yeah. When I, I, I like to give the visual example of walking one way and then doing mm-hmm. a complete 180 and walking the other way, completely turning from your sin. And it's also good to realize that it doesn't make sense to just say, oh, I believe in God. Like I, I have faith in Jesus um, because even James says faith without works is is dead. And like you said, faith and repentance, even though our faith is not a work, um, your faith should naturally come hand in hand with repentance. So even if you do, if, if you've said for even your whole life, like I do believe in Jesus, but you've never repented for it. Well, it's good to realize that even the demons believe believed in Jesus, mm-hmm. you know, but mm-hmm. they didn't repent you know, and, and so you can believe in God and not be, and not have true faith in him. And you can believe in God and, and have more faith in yourself, earning your, your merit with God. Right. Right. It goes back to that matter of the heart, mm-hmm. um, repentance, uh, we can, repentance can be either uh, contrition or attrition. And, uh, think about like a kid stealing a cookie out of a cookie jar. Um, he gets confronted, you know, for stealing that, uh, that cookie. And he's like, okay, I'm sorry. I won't do it again. <laughs> right. Yeah. And just kind of blows it off. Um, versus the response that's, that's attrition. The contrition is, oh my goodness, I, I, I have stolen. I've broken the rules. I wasn't supposed to do that. And I know that I have dishonored my, my mother and father. 
I've broken those rules and I have brought shame upon myself and, and I've offended mm-hmm. my parents. And it's that matter of the heart, recognizing it's that, that repentance, it's that godly sorrow for our sin. That's where that's what Jesus uh, wants us to to deal with. Mm-hmm. He wants us to deal with the matter of the heart. It's that sin that we need to be broken over because we have offended a holy God. Yeah, and that's what God wants to settle in our life to be sorrowful for that, to ask for re, for forgiveness, and then, like you said, to turn away from it. Yeah, that's repentance, and then. Putting that in, how do we how do we express that? That's faith. Mm-hmm. That's faith. That's that trusting in Jesus Christ. And so, what are the stakes then if we don't respond that way? Uh, well, there is there is a cost. Mm-hmm. You know, we we've talked about this at the at the beginning. If we die in our sins, um, God finds us guilty. It's hell for all of eternity. So this is what this means, and the response is this, repentance and faith always. Either we are going to be broken by our sin, humble ourselves, cry out to Jesus for forgiveness, and to place our trust in Him. Mm -hmm. Let Him make that fine payment for us. Either we do that, or we are going to make that fine payment in hell for all of eternity. That's the cost. That's the cost. Let me put it like this. Imagine a, imagine a man uh, on a little boat, and he's got like a little money belt, and it's full of like all of these little gold bars, and, and that's what's precious to him. He doesn't want to let it go. And mm-hmm. he slips, and he slips off, and he falls into the water, and he's going down. And that money belt is dragging him down. Jesus is saying, unbuckle it. Let it go. Shed that from you. Mm-hmm. Those things that you are holding on to that you think are precious are the things that are pulling you down. In order to let me save you, you've got to let that stuff go. When we do that, when we turn from our sins, we forsake those sins, when we mortify the flesh, we are able to shed that burden from us and then cast ourselves into the arms of Jesus. Yeah. Um, And that's where he is so ready to forgive us. He is so ready to save us. But until we get to that point, that repentance and faith, um, we're going to be holding on to all of those things that we think that are important in this life. And again, um, Jesus said, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and yet lose his own soul? Mm, Yeah. And that's eternity that's at stake. Yeah, right, right. But I think that's a big thing that people don't understand is when you give your life to Christ, you are now under attack mm-hmm. for persecution. Uh, the enemy wants to make you feel lonely so that you don't go to Christ and you try you try to go back to your old ways and 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 turn to other things that ultimately don't fulfill you. Um, and the stakes are very high, even depending on where you live. It's so easy, quote unquote, to be a Christian here. Mm-hmm. If anything, it's more distracting, so it might be harder. But in other countries like Afghanistan, where the threat of dying can be swift and immediate, mm-hmm. 
it's not easy to be a Christian because it's costing them their lives. And so they, they understand the cost, I think, more than you and I do. Sure. Um, but it could mean, I, I, I say all that because if you are concerned about having to get up, give up things like you were like, Jeff, you were just talking about, um, just, it, it, it reminds me of the rich young par rich young ruler parable mm -hmm. that yeah. when, when, um, Jesus talks to the rich young ruler and he tells that tells him to leave behind all of his money and to, to give up everything. Mm -hmm. And he, and he just wouldn't. Um, and so if you are holding on to those things, ask yourself, like, am I, am I truly putting my faith in Christ? Am I truly repentant of my sin? Because if you, if you are held down like that money belt analogy, mm -hmm. then you're probably missing one of the pieces. Yeah. Uh, I love that, uh, witnessing example that we have of Jesus talking to that rich young ruler. Mm -hmm. um, and it's interesting because Jesus actually uh, uses some of the commandments uh, to kind of point out what's going on inside. And just like you said, at the end of um, that, uh, that moment that he had with Jesus, you know, Jesus said, sell everything that you own and come and follow me. And that was the response and that cost. And Jesus wasn't just saying, you know, uh, be poor and, and follow me, but he knew what was going on inside. He already knew, you know, the heart condition of this guy. He already knows our heart condition. Think about this. God knows what you did last night. God knows what you did this past weekend. He knows what you've been doing over the past 5, 10, 15 years, whatever. He knows all of that. You're not hiding anything from him. Mm -hmm. Those are the things that your conscience tells you about. Those are the things that God wants to deal with. Those are the things that, again, if we're caught in those trespasses that God is going to find us guilty with. But again, the response, the cost is um, us shedding all of that stuff, leaving it behind, and following Jesus Christ. Um, our eternity is at stake. There is a, there's a weightiness to what we're saying. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is not easy. It's not easy holding up that mirror of the Ten Commandments. It's not easy to, to talk about hell, to talk about sin, but we have to. Mm -hmm. Eternity is at stake. Um, Jesus Christ has made that fine payment but again, God's not going to twist our arm. It's always on God's terms. This, this rich young ruler came to Jesus on his terms, and Jesus was correcting him and saying, no, if you want to follow me, you've got to give it all up. Mm -hmm. And so you, know, you mentioned those people in, in Afghanistan. Yeah, the cost can be very high to follow Jesus. But we have to think about what's going to happen when we die. Mm -hmm. And so when we have that perspective, the things of this world start to get a little strangely dim, as that old hymn you know, says, because they're not as weighty as eternity. Yeah. Right? Yeah, and we want to give one final challenge mm. to examine yourself. Yeah, if, 
for, for everyone that's listening, the Bible even says to examine ourselves. It's a healthy thing. We need to see if we really are in the faith. And if you have not ever gotten right with God, let me just encourage you to humble yourself. This is where your pride is going to want to come into play, but to actually humble yourself, to cry out to God and ask Him for forgiveness. There's no, there's no magic words uh, you know, to say, uh, God wants to hear from your heart. You, know, you already know the words to say. Whenever you offend somebody and you want to get right with that person, it's going to overflow out of your heart. So we want to we say, God, I recognize that my, my sin is what it is, it's offensive to you. It's offensive to me. I want to ask for your forgiveness, and I want to place my trust and faith in Jesus Christ alone to save us because I can't save myself. And so whenever you do that, here's the awesome promise. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Read Psalm 51. Mm. Psalm 51 talks about creating a clean heart in me. Imagine having a clean heart. Imagine the guilt, the shame, the sin, all of that stuff being taken care of and being clean before God. That's what God is so ready to do. And my, my favorite verse from that chapter is, a broken heart, oh God, you do not despise. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. that's, that's all he wants you to bring. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, again, that's part of that repentance is having that broken heart uh, before God. And He is so, so ready to forgive you, to save you, but He's not going to twist your arm. Mm -hmm. He leaves it up to us. That's our response. Yeah. And also, if you're listening to this and you know that you are right with God and there is someone, even just one person that comes into your mind that you think either needs to hear this episode or maybe they need to hear the gospel from you. Um, And I urge you not to wait for the opportunity, but to create the opportunity to share the gospel because God has commanded us to go into the world and share about his name and what he has done. And so share, 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 share. Eternity is at stake. Yes. So thank you so much, Jeff, for joining me. To our listeners, thank you for spending your time with us. If you haven't yet connected with us online, check us out on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. And please be sure to check out our other McGregor podcast channels. Just head over to talktruthpodcast.com for all the details. We'd love to hear from you. So please write us a review however you are listening to this. Thanks for listening and remember to talk truth.